0: Hello and welcome to Connected episode 302. It's made possible by our sponsors, Squarespace, HRFs, and Mint Mobile. My name is Stephen Hackett, and it is an even episode, so I will introduce Federica Vitici first.
1: Oh, that's a good joke. No, I don't think this is fair, you know, because I can I am almost convinced that if I wasn't here, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't give me my intro. You would just go straight to Federico and then make some joke about, Ah, Mike's not here, right? But you still give Federico his introduction. Oh, he's off on the Summer Fun. The Federico Summer Fun. This is yet another slight upon me and the royal household of keynote chairmanship. The house that I founded. No, but that's not true. It is true. You just had the Twitter
0: account first. Yeah, that's the royal scepter. No. do you know anything about the monarchy?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes, I do, and that's not that's not how it works. Because what like our monarchy currently has social media accounts. Are you saying that there was no mm-hmm. monarchy before like the early two thousands?
0: There's no proof of monarchy before it's, then.
1: <laughs> Twitter is your proof. Of, yeah. Uh, okay.
0: No one can delete tweets.
1: Hi. Hi, Mike. Hello. Hi. Hello.
0: It's just us. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to talk about the Mac.
1: We are, actually. uh, There are rumors that Stephen said to Federico that we were recording on Thursday this week. Uh, So so he'd have his time to talk about the Macintosh, but uh, we'll never know for sure.
0: Well, if an episode comes out tomorrow that's just Federico wandering around about shortcuts, (laughs) you know what happened. I don't think Federico has a login to the CMS. I should probably make sure he doesn't.
1: I think he has one,
0: but probably
1: doesn't know he <sighs> has one, would no. be my expectation.
0: That's how I am at Mac Stories. I can log into Mac Stories, and I'm very afraid to
1: do so. Uh, do I have... No, I, I used to have access to your website. I don't think I do anymore. You don't
0: anymore. I did some cleaning up, and you were yeah. banished. That's not fair. We
1: want to do some follow-up? Yeah.
0: Tell us about Dev Beta 2 for iOS.
1: Um, It's out. Uh, I only have it on my iPad right now. There doesn't really seem to have been huge changes, just like a lot of tweaks. Uh, I don't know if really we're expecting big changes. They've added some new features, some new widgets, um, some little bits and bobs here and there, Uh, some stuff's been cleaned up. I'm kind of waiting to see if some of the bugs that I've been experiencing have been fixed, but I have not yet. Re encountered them, if you know what I mean. Like, one that I was having was like the shortcuts widget was just c- becoming completely unresponsive, and I had to reboot my device to get it mm. to work. Um, so I'm just kind of waiting to see if that sort of stuff kind of fixes has been fixed or fixes itself. But as of right now, I don't know. But the, the, I'm pleased to see that the second beta is here, uh, because it means that Apple will kind of keep in typical pace, I would expect, um, from. From what we would usually think they would be doing at this time of year, like having, you know, what are we? Two weeks, now. It's been two weeks yeah. since the right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so we got that. There's, let's say, a couple of icon changes, a couple of widget changes. That that's by and large it. There's also there's some stuff like um. The proof of the default music service change showed up for HomePod, but you can't actually do it, right? Because I think that's going to require an entitlement, like um, email apps and stuff like that. Like, I don't think anything can say it's the default music service. Apple probably have to, you know, say yeah, you're good. So you know, there's there's stuff, but there's nothing nothing wild.
0: Dev beta two is also out for macOS Big Sur and. It's pretty much the same deal. No real big changes. There's some new stuff in Catalyst. Apple Pay can be used in Catalyst apps, which is cool. And hmm. the terrible battery artwork is still in system preferences, which makes me sad.
1: How does the uh, Apple Pay thing work? What is it doing? Is it the Apple Watch thing or Touch ID?
0: Yes. Yeah, so it acts just like it would in a App Kit app.
1: Okay. Well, that's nice. Yeah,
0: it's pretty cool. Uh, and uh, the battery icon is real bad. In system preferences, and they should they should
1: fix it. They should change it. I feel like that one will be changed because it's been memed. You know, mm-hmm. like it's like people. We're gonna talk about some questionable icons uh, in Pixar a little later on in this episode. I think uh, that I have some that I wanted to bring to the table.
0: The uh, some people were saying that the install process for beta two on the Mac was pretty rough. I had issues with it. I had to reinstall the beta profile. then restart the mac and it finally saw the update that's not that uncommon during these beta cycles i've definitely saw that seen that in previous years and so i don't think that's anything to be worked up about just look you're running a beta version you're going to have have weirdness i do want to talk about where we're running the beta so you said you had it on ios 14 on your ipad
1: Are are you doing anything else Um, I, well, okay, we're going to talk about it later on, but I have been running Big Sur on a a laptop, and I, I'm really, like, flirting with putting it on my phone, Mm -hmm. but I have not yet made the final decision. Like, I had said that I would not do it until Beta 2. Now Beta 2 is here, and I want to but there's a couple of apps that will be that I know are going to be a problem. Like one of my banking apps on my iPad is convinced that I have jailbroken on my phone and I'm not allowed <laughs> to use it. Uh, and I typically check this stuff on my phone. So I'm kind of giving it a day or two to see if they will make an update to prepare for the public beta. Right. Cause I'm sure that they're aware of this kind of stuff and can do so. I'm, I'm assuming that it's doing some kind of like version number check it's or be. something, and and it's seeing that it's not, you know, and because it's not even like oh we don't support this thing. It's like no, you have you have jailbroken your device, and it's like oh, okay, that's you're making some some big assumptions here, my friend. Um, so I'm kind of waiting to see if that will be fixed. So maybe I will give it a day or two. But I, if I do it, I'm gonna go with the dev beta because I want all of my devices, my iOS devices to be on the same um, release if I'm going to run it. I'm still yeah. planning to not put it on my 12.9 inch iPad until maybe 4 3 or 4. So I have one device that I can count on and frankly the most important device for me at the moment is that one. It's where I'm spending the majority of my time doing anything work related because the uh, the typical reasons that I wouldn't put the beta on my phone just don't count at the moment. So <laughs> I'm kind of I'm kind of fine. I'm kind of fine with it. So maybe maybe you're gonna because I know you you are a, a public beta boy. Uh, what are you gonna put it on when that comes out? Everything.
0: So I have the dev beta on my iPad Mini, and I have the Dave bet dev beta of macOS on my Dave laptop. beta <laughs> Dave <like> beta. <laughs> Yeah, he's a nice guy, but he's he always is early to
1: parties, uh, <laughs> and, and he trips over a lot. He <laughs> <It> crashes into <laughs> just things, bumps into everything, <laughs> and sometimes he just freezes mid-step. I like that. He falls asleep <laughs> <laughs> just like so randomly. He's, yeah. a, he's everyone's so excited to see him when he arrives at the party, but then he just messes everything up and isn't very supportive. Mm. Oh, this is a fun... This is a new breakout character (laughs) of the program. Dave Dave Beta. Beta. (laughs) Just
0: leave widgets everywhere behind (laughs) him. So, uh, I I generally put the public beta on my iPhone,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: running the Dave Betas everywhere else. (laughs) I'm probably going to put this on my
1: phone pretty soon. Like like straight away?
0: Like during the show?
1: No, no. Like if they release the, the public beta like on Thursday or whatever. Yeah. Probably. You reckon I'll go for it? You'll I think so. It. so.
0: I'm the same way right. you are. I'm not going anywhere. The bank app that I need for work works on my iPad in iOS 14. So I feel like it would work on my phone. And I'll probably keep my iPad Pro on 13 anyways, just to have a, a an out if I really run into something completely broken.
1: Yeah, the one thing I do worry about is like, I mean, and this is the issue. I mean, I'm already in this problem by having put it on any device is... Like, the, the problems that Federico had with iCloud. Yeah. You know? Remember when his iCloud just, like, exploded? And nothing would sink? And he had to have, like, a reset or something done at some point? Like, that's the kind of stuff that I worry about when doing any of this stuff. But I guess if I've installed it on any device, well, it's too late, I guess. I can see that.
0: I, I think that's a common feeling.
1: And I don't really want to be in that. But but it's too late now anyway I guess Mm -hmm.
0: yeah he's got to go all in uh huh Do you find yourself on your iOS 13 iPad
1: missing something in 14? Though the way that shortcuts work now, I like that a lot, and the the way that I've got my shortcuts widgets set up, all of that stuff I like. I have like multiple shortcuts widgets stacked on top of each other, and they do different actions. A lot of them are time tracking. Uh, I like that, and and I. Have built some uh, task manager shortcuts where you can just type everything in from search, basically, right? You just run the shortcut from search, type everything in, and nothing ever opens. Nothing, you know. I, and I like all of that kind of stuff. Shortcuts, I think, is the biggest thing that I've been enjoying. Um, and there's, you know, some of the UI stuff is nice. I do really like the new search UI; like, it just looks nice. I like yeah. just just conceptually that it doesn't take over the Screen visually, I I like that. Like I Same. enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so like it's not that I'm less uh, effective because of that, or like all these features have become so important that now I miss them when they're gone, or like I can't work when they're gone. But they are like things, things that I that I do miss.
0: I've had uh, I've had that a little bit on Big Sur. I, I think it because of the UI changes we're going to talk about. It's like oh catalina looks really old uh and i'd love to have the new messages on the mac that i work on every day mm. because the new messages on big server is really nice but
1: but that's the, the case across the board though like the new messages is very good mm-hmm.
0: oh yeah i love the the new stuff for group chats and yep. the having the favorites pin at the top is awesome that may be enough to get me on my phone you want to take a break yeah man. this episode of connected is brought to you by squarespace Make your next move with Squarespace. It lets you easily create a website for your next idea with unique domain name, award winning templates and much more. Maybe you want to create an online store or host a portfolio or write a blog. Squarespace is the all in one platform that lets you do all of that stuff. And there's nothing to install. There are no patches to worry about. You don't have to worry about upgrades because Squarespace has all of that covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support. If you have any questions, lets you easily and quickly grab a unique domain name, and their award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. One of my favorite things about building sites in Squarespace is that I can build it on my Mac, all my stuff, and I can see on the Mac very quickly how it's going to respond on smaller devices. Their design section has the thing where you can put it in tablet and, like, smartphone mode so there'll be no surprises when you go to check it out later on a mobile device they just take care of all of that for you. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash connected. When you do decide to sign up use the offer code connected to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain name and to show your support for the show. Once again that's squarespace.com/connected. And the code connected to get 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for the support of this show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Breaking news, Mike. Mm. Apple has added two factor authentication for Apple IDs that are now based in Antarctica. Chilling news.
1: Oh, nice. Is that the other reason you brought this? <laughs> so that pun? Uh, okay, do you have anything of note to to say on this? I don't know how many
0: people are in Antarctica, but they got Apple IDs they gotta log into securely.
1: How many people are in Antarctica? That's a question we need to know. How many people are in Antarctica? No permanent residents. Yeah. The largest station has a summer population of a 1,000 and a winter population of 200. So, it can't be a lot of people. (laughs) Mm -mm. Uh... It, the best case of time, maybe like a couple of thousand people or whatever, I suppose.
0: I knew someone who, who worked at a science station in Antarctica for like, a, I think she was down there a
1: year. Really? Mm-hmm. Wait, is it down or I don't up? Think we have, I don't think we have to address that. I mean, it depends. If the Earth is flat, then I guess it's... Over. Wherever you want it to be, right? <laughs> On the outside edge. <laughs> Let's talk about the iPhone 12 again. Um. So... I have some uh, more stuff about the charger and things like that, but also just
0: we're gonna throw some ice on that rumor
1: Ooh. I'm gone if I quit now, uh-huh, you have to do the episode on your own. No one wants that, so let's stop. shall we okay, snow more jokes you... <laughs> Mike. I know you're still there. I can see you on Skype. But Now you have to do this part because uh, I'm done. The whole show? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I'll see when I want to come back. I have a lot of talking to do in a
0: little while about boot processes on Mac OS X. Well, there you go. Mac OS 11. Excuse me. iPhone 12. Let's mm-hmm. start with chargers. Apple is surveying iPhone owners about their thoughts on iPhone chargers, which is hilarious.
1: Yeah. my My kind of feeling on this is like there's a survey for everything and you know what I mean? Like, th- I'm sure that there are surveys about, like, do you like the antenna lines on your iPhone? You know what I mean? Like, it could be about mm-hmm. anything, but they become newsworthy when you can tie it back to a potential headline. But nevertheless, Apple does want to know if people like their War Charger and or still have it. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe they, you know, they want data. Apple always want data so they can make the decisions that they make, right? Oh, yeah, that's the thing. Uh, but I saw uh, a CAD leak. I guess it's a leak. Some Somebody had an image of the box insert for the iPhone 12 that seems to suggest there will be no charging brick. I saw this uh, on Mac Rumors. But the thing that is included in this kind of CAD image is two little pockets, I guess, or two little uh, recesses. One where the paperwork would go, so also no headphones, which I think is... That's, you know, honestly, that's the one that no one's complaining about, right? The headphones thing. Um, nobody is complaining about a lack of Lightning headphones. Okay, so when I say nobody, I mean t- typically about the conversation around there being no headphones and no charger with the iPhone 12. People are focusing on the charger because that's probably the thing that affects most people, right? Uh, if yeah, people don't be affected. But the, the other kind of recess is... For a cable, presumably a USB-C to lightning cable. Now, I don't know about you, but when we were originally talking last time about there being no charger, I also thought there would be no cable in the box. Hmm. Did you assume that there would be a cable in the box?
0: I didn't even think about the cable, to be
1: honest. So when people were saying there's no charger, my initial thought was like, no cable, no brick, no power brick. Because from my perspective, including a cable probably still makes it, actually makes it better for more people. Like, just not having the charging brick itself is like, yeah, it's going to affect some people. But I would expect that lots of people would have a USB-C charging brick of some kind at home. Now... Of course, if we were still on regular USB, I actually don't think that this this would be a non-issue in my opinion. Like, who doesn't have something that they can plug a USB cable into at home and charge? Right? Like, if you've had if you had any phone, but now, like, if you're switching from a modern Android phone, then you would be fine, right? Because you'd have a USB C cable you could plug into your previous brick and and charge and also we had a few people reach out and be like oh i know people this chargers are falling apart and they need a new charger they probably just need a new cable right like i don't think that many people are having their charging bricks falling apart like i know for me all of the wear that i have is on the cables like not the actual charging bricks themselves So I think that this, whilst this doesn't eliminate the issue, I think it actually makes the affected group much smaller than I had initially expected it would be. And also makes this, in my opinion, an easier and cheaper thing for Apple to offer that brick to you at checkout. Because they sell the brick and the cable as separate things, right? Mm -hmm. And I have absolutely no doubt that they could sell a discounted charging brick, one of the weak ones to you, for Mm -hmm. a small price on the first checkout like you get a discount one time like that seems like a very simple thing for them to be able to do
0: yeah i think the what we talked about of having it just there like you want apple care you want a charger like all that stuff in line means people will just do it if they if they need a new one mm-hmm. i do wonder about the USB C versus USB A thing if there is a cable i just don't know like
1: I don't well, know. I'm just like, more more, you, more people have USB-A chargers than they do USB-C chargers, like especially right. if you're coming from right. an older iPhone. And more,
0: and more people charge, I think, with a wall charger or something than plugging into a computer. It could be that USB-A sticks around in charger land longer than it has elsewhere. You know, if you buy mm-hmm. a keyboard or a mouse from Apple, you get a lightning cable. My Mac Pro came with a USB-C to lightning cable. It's black and braided and very awesome. But it's kind of all over the place and so i don't know and my my hunch is that it will be cable usb a no charging brick i think that's my final answer for now
1: cable usb a no charging brick mhm
0: so the only change is no charger brick
1: <laughs> oh okay wait so you you think you so did the iphone 12 come with a usb a charger the 11 you mean Yes. Yes,
0: I think it did. Maybe the chat room can help us. Chat room, what does the iPhone come with? The iPhone 11 Pro, what does it come with?
1: Pro is is USB-C. Kyle says
0: USB-C. Huh. Okay, well, then that. Then whatever it comes with now. Oh, the iPhone 11 comes with USB-A?
1: Oh, that's confusing.
0: Whatever it comes with now.
1: (laughs) Yeah. uh, No, I reckon they will go all USB-C because they just will um usb-c cables in the box you get one time cheap purchase of a brick and that's that that's what i reckon they'll do
0: okay so it seems like the iphone pros come with usb-c to lightning and everything else comes with usb-a to lightning okay maybe i was confused because i just unboxed my wife's iphone se and it had a usb-a to lightning cable
1: right but that phone is old
0: um okay so anyways charger gate it's coming for us all be prepared
1: Rumor has it already that Samsung will, will skip it uh, next year, 2021. Mm-hmm. They will be not putting charges in their boxes, too.
0: Yeah, I saw a headline that I just want to read Samsung to follow Apple and stop offering power adapters with smartphones next year. Like, we don't have to say Samsung is copying Apple every decision they make. <laughs> just cool it, Apple journalist.
1: Yeah, it's like because what is? I mean, if that is the case, like, what are they even like cop? There's no copying because Apple actually haven't done this yet. It's a ru- it's a rumor, but fine. I mean, you know, I wouldn't ex- honestly like. So Samsung Unpacked is in a couple of weeks' time. It's like yeah. in August. Uh, they look like they're gonna have a pretty sweet bronze color for the for the Note, which looks kind of nice. I genuinely expect to hear someone from Samsung say that there is a charger in the box with the phone, because they love to take those shots where they can. It's the new. It's the. It's going to be the new headphone jack. Yeah, because they did that. They were like, "Oh, we have a headphone jack." Same as Google did it mm-hmm. too. And then both of those companies the next year removed their headphone jacks. And again, like I don't think that all of this stuff is copying. I think a lot of it is just like this is the way it goes. Mm-hmm. And Apple, for whatever reason, on occasion, is first, but it's not the case always, right? Like Samsung made big phones before anybody else. Yes, and yes, they did. Eventually, everyone got there, you know. But yeah, I mean, look, I think that the reasons that we spoke about last week, the positives for removing these charges from boxes, both. Economically, for companies involved, and environmentally, like, I think that's the reason that we'll see it happen, and we'll be totally fine, and, and this will be something that everybody gets used to, way easier than like a cable transition. Like I really do believe that, like because it's this is a much simpler thing to deal with, right? Then like if they change cable, that is a big pain, right? Well, when they did it from proprietary to proprietary, right? Like going from 30 pin to lightning... It's because there's, there's like this big ecosystem of stuff and you've got to change all your cables and maybe you have peripherals that don't work anymore. But this is just like you have a charger like that will already work with this probably at home. And if you don't, there's like a million options that are all actually really good and much cheaper to get. And you actually have more choice available to you because you can get like those wild, fancy, fast charging ones now that have got that GAN in them or something. What is that? G-A-A-N or something? Mm-hmm. What yeah, is that? GAN. I don't, yeah, gone. I don't want a gone. Gone charger. So you can get those or you can get like an Amazon Basics USB charger, right? And you end up like you've got there's like a full spectrum. I think that this one is like there, there are more uh, there's more upside to this if as long as they actually do have something for people to be able to get themselves a charger for cheap. But anyway, while we talk about the iPhone 12. It's about the time of year where dummy units start appearing uh, in photos and uh, on YouTube channels. Mm -hmm. It's like MKBHD just had a video with some dummy units. These dummy units come from case manufacturers. Case manufacturers pay a lot of money to the supply chain to try and get specifications for the sizes of the phones they want the size of the bodies and the size of the camera notches where the buttons are all that kind of stuff right because then they can start making their cases so they can be ready to sell their cases when the phone is available it's very important right if you're a case manufacturer it does make me think that apple should like have some partnerships right like i think maybe they do with logitech now um But I think maybe they do have Autobox as well. But, you know, it would be nice if there were options on day one that weren't just Apple's options. And so, you know, they do it for the iPad. I don't know if they do that for the iPhone, but they should, I think. Um, uh, Carl's is saying, the gray in the chat is saying Belkin as well. So, you know, it's good to have those options. So like that's, you know, but anyway, so these, uh, these, 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 Devices are then created from the CAD drawings uh, and from the specifications. I don't know, so they can be sent out to people, and also, you know, you can like actually see does this case fit. So it seems like typically there will be a lot of things not final in these uh, because. Like, for example, you don't need to know how many cameras there are on the phone. You just need to know the size of the notch. So, like, the, the, the dummy that MKBHD has only has three cameras on it when that seems unlikely, right? Like, it really seems likely that it will get three cameras on a LiDAR sensor because mm-hmm. I think it would be very peculiar if they did not have the LiDAR sensor on the phone. Agreed. And I can't imagine them getting rid of a camera. The And it's also showing no change to the notch size. Now, we don't know if that's going to happen. There's been rumors on on both sides on this, but basically the notch sizing on these devices it makes no difference about the size of them because it's not what cases cover. Um, I will say just on the conversation of cases. So what these these uh, devices show is the flat sides, the iPad Pro like design. Mm-hmm. I think I would struggle with putting a case on that this time because that design looks very modern and cool and nice and i don't know if i'd want to put a case on that phone straight away at least and it should
0: be less slippery than the rounded edges maybe i mean
1: my problem is not that like phones slip out of my hand my problem is i drop them and i don't Mm -hmm. think that that's a slippery problem you know i think i just pick them up wrong or i just don't grip them right or i'm not paying attention and i drop them i think that's my problem holding it wrong yeah maybe i'm holding it wrong um but what I wanted to talk about as well is the sizing options of these phones. Because there's some there's some nuance here that, that you people may not have got from just watching that video that I had to do some digging into to kind of really get my head around. Marquez had three devices, right? But the rumors have been that there would be four phones this year. The reason for this is that the rumors are suggesting that there will be four phones in three sizes. So the iPhone 12 will be 5.4 inches. We'll come back to that. The iPhone 12 Max, which would be new, would be 6.1 inches. The iPhone 12 Pro would be 6.1 inches. And the iPhone 12 Pro Max would be 6.7 inches. So, yeah, I will uh, put a link in the show notes to a MacRumors article where they have an image showing kind of the physical sizing of this lineup of phones compared to stuff that we currently have because it's a little tricky to get your head around this and what it might mean because like screen sizes don't necessarily equate to physical phone sizes depending on the model that you're looking at, right? Because the small phone again, so this is be something new. The iPhone 11, which is the entry model, sits in the middle size-wise between the two Pro models.
0: Yeah, it's which is weird.
1: Yes, <laughs> that's how it is. But that's just because that was what the 10R was, right? Like it just took yep. that spot. Mm-hmm. But this time that would change, and you would get smallest would be the 12, the 12 Max. And the 12 Pro are the same size. And then the 12 Pro Max is the biggest one. But the fun thing is 5.4 inches is smaller than the current uh, sizes, right? By quite a lot, actually, to the point that you would end up with the iPhone 12. So the kind of quote unquote entry into that line being smaller than the iPhone SE, Two, like physically, that phone would would it be expected to fit in between the SE and the SE two? That's a that's a small iPhone.
0: It is a small iPhone, and it makes me wonder <laughs> why the SE is around other than price.
1: It's price. That's the only reason it's around.
0: You know, I have the iPhone eleven Pro, the five point eight inch, the size the iPhone ten came out at. And I really like that size. Also, I like the size that the 10R and the 11 was at, which is 6.1 inches. So having something that size is, I think I'd be okay with that going from the 11 Pro to the 12 Pro, even though it's bigger. I didn't mind the size of the 10R that I had for a while, but I definitely don't want to go bigger than that.
1: Yeah, because the the 12 Pro, Pro would still be smaller than the Pro Max, mm-hmm. right? Like it actually, would kind of sit slightly larger than than what we currently have. Yeah. And in the same vein, right? The 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 twelve Pro Max at six point seven inches—it's a big screen, uh, and the physical dimensions are a little bigger. I wonder if that might be too much for me. I think it might be. Like, to have a phone even bigger than the Pro Max. I don't know. I really don't know about that. I will tell you if this is what they do, it's the phone I will go for because I have always liked the bigger phones and mm-hmm. I would like to know like is this the right phone for me. Um but I think that they may be really kind of pushing up there onto the the top end of how big a phone can get. Like and I and honestly like I don't know why they would be making the Pro Max that big. I mean, I guess just because they're making the regular ones bigger. Mm-hmm. And I'm also not sure why they're doing that, right? That, like, the, the, the 11 Pro is going to get bigger. I don't know why. I don't, really, like, I'm struggling to get my head around why they're doing that. Like, to me, it would have been more logical to have the iPhone 12 Pro sit. At the 5.8 range and then have the 12 max be bigger than that one like i'm kind of a little bit for me confused as to why the 12 pro and the 12 max are the same size
0: yeah that that is weird to me and i assume that the pro would have another camera so it's going to be more expensive but i think a lot of people are going to look at the 12 pro if it's the same size think why is this one so much more especially if they're all OLED. Apparently they are all OLED. Which has been rumored. And so I don't know, it kind of makes the 12 Pro, which is what I would get, kind of seem like maybe not that great of a deal. And that's that's also it weird. is.
1: And again, I will state, this is all very confusing. Like I would recommend while you're listening to this, look at the graphic that is in the show notes and the Mac Rumors article. Like it helps you to kind of see the progression. So I will run it through one last time size-wise from, like, from smallest to largest, iPhone SE, iPhone 12, iPhone SE2, um, iPhone 11 and 12, iPhone 11 Pro Max, iPhone 12 Pro Max. That's kind of mm-hmm. the way it goes up in size now with current and, and new phones. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I really, I, I, I'm, I think it's good to have choice. But I think the choice needs to be really clearly laid out as to why you would make the decisions. And it's difficult for us to see that without the full spec lineup, right? Like to, to understand like what actually makes the Max and the Pro different. Um, but putting them in at the same physical screen sizes is a, is, is quite, feels quite peculiar to me, especially when they've made the entry phone significantly smaller yeah, it's a, it's a very peculiar lineup, but for people that want a smaller phone, I'm happy that they will get that in a modern phone. I think that's great, right? Like if you have been the person that's wanted a smaller iPhone and we're waiting for the SE and we're like, ah, oh, well, you know, I'll just get what what they make out of that and then we're disappointed uh, if you then continue to wait, which you probably didn't, but if you if you did continue to wait, I think getting rewarded with like, because, you know, the SE has good specs inside of it, but it doesn't have all of the bells and whistles, like the camera and face ID and all that kind of stuff. So being able to get all of that in a smaller phone, that would be, that is a cool deal for the people that wanted a smaller iPhone again.
0: Oh, definitely. Because you're not being punished with having a touch ID button.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, you can get a modern phone that's that's small. mm -hmm. And I I don't know if anyone who bought the SE2 would be, I'm sure some of them would be bummed. But I think a lot of people want something more affordable. And I think that's the SE's selling point.
1: But if that wasn't the case, and you do want to get the new one, I bet the SE2 has retained pretty good value if you wanted to resell it at this point. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, it's uh it is confusing. You got to go look at the graphic. I think the way Apple is going to sell this is hey, we've got you know two families of phones, 12, 12 Pro. There's a little and a big version of each and they touch in the middle. And I think just the four of those phones on a slide in basic sort of basic isolation, I think that will uh I think that'll make sense to people.
1: Mm. New phones will be here before we know it. Uh, That is the thing that is exciting to me, though, like that we're in that kind of time of the year. Uh, We have no idea exactly what time of year. It'd probably be a little bit later than normal. But the WWDC lately up to the iPhone stuff, it's like, oh, great. Like, this is just the typical news that I can think about and, and care about for a while.
0: This episode of Connected is brought to you by Ahrefs. Do you work for a big brand or maybe your own small business or maybe you're a freelancer? No matter where you fall on that spectrum, getting traffic to your website can be challenging. There's a lot of competition out there. And so Ahrefs is here to help with the all-in-one SEO tool set that they've built that solves this problem. It gives you the tools you need to rank your website in Google and get tons of search traffic. If you're like me, SEO has always seemed like a big box of mystery Ahrefs makes it really easy to understand what's going on and the improvements they suggest and the tools they have are all really easy to use. They uncover how your competitors are getting traffic and why. You can see pages and content that send them the most traffic and you get estimated search volumes with their keywords explorer tool. So you can see how well a piece of content is likely to perform before you write it. Ahrefs has a bunch of useful stuff. Content Explorer can help you find guest blogging opportunities and the Rank Tracker lets you track your progress on certain keywords. It'll even pick up broken backlinks and help you fix them. So take the mystery out of SEO. Go to hrefs.com right now. That's a h r e f s.com. Sign up for their 7-day trial for just 7 bucks. Get reports on your website, see what's performing well and figure out your next move. Whether you have a personal website you want to get a following on, or your company needs more traffic to convert into sales, Ahrefs is here to help. Go there now, Ahrefs.com for a seven-dollar trial. Our thanks to Ahrefs for their support of Connected and Relay FM. The time has come, Mike. Talk about Mac stuff. Okay. So with Apple Silicon, there are big changes coming. Right? New. Brand new CPU, big architecture transition, and that's always exciting. It's exciting when it's happened in the past, but with so many things, the details get really interesting. So I've spent some time watching a bunch of WWDC sessions about this. They have one in particular about the system architecture changes, and they also have ones about porting your apps and your games over. Absorbing all this stuff, you get a pretty good picture of how these Macs are going to work under the hood, so I thought we could talk about that. Okay. Are you excited to learn about unified memory architecture? No. Well, you're going to.
1: There are things that I am excited about when we're Mm -hmm. talking about this. That's not one of them because I don't know what that means.
0: Are you excited about kernel integrity protection? No. PCI
1: device isolation? Sure. Okay, we'll get to that. (laughs) Okay, I'll wait for that one. That's the one I'm really excited about. You're really selling this segment to both me and the listener. Hey, I know there are people hey. like me out there. Mm-hmm.
0: There are dozens of us. Mm-hmm. So currently, basically every type of classic computer, what you think of, uh, has memory for the CPU and separate memory for the GPU. On modern Macs, you can have giant pools of this stuff, and data can be shared between them. But on the iPhone and iPad and the coming Mac architecture... Apple will be going to a unified memory architecture, unified memory system. And this means that the memory is basically a pool for both the CPU and GPU to quickly share data between them. So the, uh, the way of thinking about, oh, I've got you know 32 gigs of RAM, but my video card has 8 gigabytes of memory, like those lines are going to get really, really blurry in the Apple Silicon world. Because it's all unified in a big, a big bucket of memory, everyone's just hanging out together. What does this mean for RAM upgrades? I I don't know. Like, there's lots of questions about this. Could
1: this mean that there wouldn't be it any?
0: Could I mean so? On most Macs, there's not. The only Mac you can really update the RAM in yourself is the five K iMac, which looks like it's going to get replaced here pretty soon. The Mac Mini, if you're brave, and the Mac Pro all the other machines that sealed in or even soldered. So maybe it's not a big deal, but it could, it could be the end of, of memory upgrades on most
1: computers. I would be completely unsurprised if that was the case. I actually just think that's what they will do. Like this simplifies things for them and trying to reduce the the amount of build to order options on the Mac. I'm Mm -hmm. sure is like a, an overall cost goal somewhere. Um, uh, uh, you know, and I and I really expect that so many Mac buyers now do not mm-hmm. make any amendments to this stuff,
0: or it may be that it is custom order, but it's that that is what it is. And, and the chat room is pointing out that on computers with onboard Intel graphics, it already kind of works this way. It is very similar. There's some slight differences that are beyond my pay grade but mm-hmm. this is this unified architecture is a big change mm-hmm. uh what it unlocks potentially is if apps are written especially in metal which apple's really really pushing is that these applications can get data around the system way quicker than ever before because they're not having to use a pci connect connection in between the cpu mm-hmm. a gpu it's all there in one place it it could mean some really breakthrough performance stuff if apps can really make it sing, which is is going to be a recurring theme as we move into this new world. That Apple wants you to build applications in a certain way, especially if they're graphics heavy, and that way is Metal. So get get used to Metal if you want to if you really want to fire this thing up. Okay, are you ready? Are you ready for Metal? You're going to rewrite your app in Metal? Yeah. Unlike Intel Max, Apple Silicon Max have will have asymmetric multiprocessing. So they started this on the iPhone years ago. Or, hey, we've got four cores, two are high performance, and two are high efficiency. Remember this? And they can use the ones that they need at any given time with yeah. a mindset towards we want to preserve battery life but offer performance when the user demands it. So there's this mm-hmm. concept of... Processing your processes within your application having basically identifiers on them to say, hey, I'm I'm a high performance task. The user asked me to perform something, I need to be on the high performance core. Let me go as fast as I can go. While a lot of other stuff, including maybe even in the background, could be relegated to those slower, more energy efficient cores, and could just happen whenever those cores are free. Again, developers don't get all this for free. On Intel Macs, every core is more or less the same speed. You know, you have hyper-threading and you have other other issues to contend with. But for the most part, core 1 and core 3 are the same speed. And so Mac apps now, written for multi-threading, can just assume that all cores will act the same. And that that will not be true on Apple Silicon Macs. And this was a big question I had of how much of what we see in the iPhone and iPad we'll make it over to the Mac. And this is what I thought about because efficiency is really important on a mobile Mac, right? Your your arm-powered MacBook Air, you would have really good battery life, but something like an iMac or a Mac Pro, you don't really care about efficiency that much. You really want high-performance stuff. And so my guess is that Apple will offer different mixes of cores in their different platforms. So maybe a Lumen notebook has two high-performance and two high-efficiency, where the iMac, you know, 27-inch, whatever big iMac would have, six, eight, ten high-performance cores and maybe four high-efficiency cores. Maybe they can skew this one direction or the other depending on the device. And that's a strength they'll have because they'll be controlling the whole thing, which I think is really exciting, right? That They could tune these things depending on what they need.
1: I think this is... um confusing to me as why they would be giving developers this information now Mm -hmm. because like can currently like a mac developer can they really have that much control over how much power is given to the application
0: if well right now if you enable it for an application for multi-threaded use the system basically will split those across the multiple cores as it sees fit. Grants yeah. dispatch dispatches kind of in the middle of all this running that. But and that's
1: what I'd figured. So like mm-hmm. it surprises me that it it doesn't just replace it of like you tell the system give me as much power as you have mm-hmm. and it will do that no matter where it's coming from from like I I think I'm a little bit perplexed as to why why they would be talking about that, like how it actually differs for a developer?
0: I'm unclear if it's the same APIs that are used now or they're changed, but I do know the the declaration of this task is a high can can be run on a high efficiency core that is new, right? And so I think they're really pushing developers to be like, look, you don't want to be called out in the battery menu bar item for being power inefficient, and this could uh, be a okay. way to get around that and to make sure that you're behaving. And remember, the DTKs are out there, right? We have people on the internet have them that we may or may not know. Who knows? It's a mystery. No, oh, I know multiple people
1: that have them. Yeah, me too. I was trying to be mysterious. <laughs> right, but the thing is, no developer is keeping the- their mouth shut about the fact that they have them. That's true. Everyone is saying that they have them. But they- <laughs> yeah, so when James is working on
0: Peacock on the DTK, yeah. he could be working on this and say, hey, some tasks can be... High efficiency, and I think it's it's really incentive for developers to be good stewards of battery life. Right. Okay. Which is is good because that's that's one of the that's one of the key ideas in moving to ARM Max is the battery life could be incredible. Well, that can only go so far if developers don't write apps that behave right. Look at Chrome. Right. Chrome on a 13 inch MacBook Pro and running Safari on the same MacBook Pro drastically different experiences
1: in terms of battery life. Yeah, I think I'm just surprised. I think it just surprises me that that the system doesn't do it for you. Yeah. Like you actually don't get that say.
0: Yeah, um, I, I think it's that the system can't,
1: or the system doesn't want to assume
0: what in your app should be higher priority than other things.
1: Right. Maybe. Do you, I mean, I'm assuming that the high efficiency, low efficiency thing will not be the case on the desktop machines.
0: I think they may still have those high efficiency cores, so applications that are expecting them are there, But I would expect the high-power cores to vastly outnumber them on desktops.
1: Right, right.
0: And then on mobile, maybe it's a little more in balance, you know, depending on the application. And
1: maybe the low-efficiency cores take uh, the handle of, like, when the machine is sleeping, if things are happening in the background.
0: Right, things like the... Oh, the, what's the name for it? Uh, there's a Because the
1: Mac has that, doesn't it? Like a, a, a Power nap. Power nap. So but like thinking, stuff yeah. the device can do whilst right. Check your
0: ML, update iCloud. Yeah, I would imagine all yeah. that gets moved to a low efficiency core Yeah. and just like can run for, you know, 90 days or something on <laughs> standby. So that's a big thing. This is one of those things I think like Grand will dispatch like some other things that they did like, like at the Mavericks days that this is going to take time for developers to tune all of this and the dtk running the a12z isn't what a real cpu will be like in these macs so i expect this to get better with time as developers do a better job at fine-tuning this
1: but i guess this is one of the good things about the dtk is it does have a chip that has this at least you know like the the chips that they're working to do have high efficiency and uh low power cores in that chip so that's good at least
0: uh, so a couple of security things that they're basically bringing over because this is the way that it works on iOS devices uh, where the the system – we'll talk about the boot process in a second. But basically the system is much more protected. Uh, right now in Catalina, the system lives on a read-only partition. You can't write to that. In Big Sur, that is then actually signed. And so if anything does get changed, the signature would fail and the OS wouldn't boot or would give you some sort of warning. Uh, Now, when the kernel is loaded into memory on these new machines, so this is independent of Big Sur, but on RMAX in particular, once the kernel's in memory, the pages of memory that have kernel code in them cannot be modified. So having kernel injections and these other things that used to be pretty i mean in one way obscure but also really serious security loopholes those continue to get locked down it's basically impossible or very difficult to screw with the kernel once you're up and running
1: memory Uh, serves they deprecated that a couple of years ago or a year ago right where they were like stop doing that
0: yeah so they they've deprecated kernel extensions
1: right kernel
0: extensions are being phased out in favor of driver kit which it runs yes. sort of in the user space. What's interesting, I did not think this was going to be the the case. Kernel extensions are still supported in Big Sur on Intel, but they're also supported on our Macs. I thought they may draw the line with the transition That's and say, "Wild, look if you're running an Apple Silicon Mac, you get you don't get kernel extensions. They're still there. I think the reason is that a lot of corporate security suites and like you know enterprise tools going to take a while rely on a lot of kernel extensions, and so maybe they they want to keep those around a couple more years for those applications to come over
1: i might be speaking out of school here but could they potentially just be running in rosetta kernel extensions
0: i believe cannot be emulated so they have to be recompiled to be native i think but apple says in no uncertain terms i I wrote this down while watching a session more friction around kernel extensions is expected as apple pushes towards driver kit It's like, just so you know, we're going to make this harder and harder for you as a developer and a user to rely on kernel extensions. And really, like, it can be really surprising how many you may have running on your Mac because a lot of things use them.
1: I, I don't like those things. They cause that really, like, you know, aren't they the thing that causes that super weird gray screen? Is that what kernel extensions do? You know what I'm talking about? When, like, the screen has all that text on it? it's like basically like the max version of the blue screen of a death kernel panic yeah kernel panic that's it
0: uh they can lead to that sort of thing okay but apple apple's trying to get all those to kind of be written on a higher level than the kernel cuz the kernel's the heart of the OS and you know it controls things like memory and data allocation it's like maybe that should just be a sealed off box and we don't we don't play in that space anymore uh one thing that's related to this is your favorite the device isolation so on intel Max. Any PCI device has access to all system memory, and they're going to change that on our Max, But basically, a PCI device has its own pathway, has dedicated uh, pages in memory, so it, it can't uh, snoop on other PCI devices. Again, pretty obscure security issue, but potentially serious if it were to be exploited. So they're continuing to, to lock these things down, which I think on the whole is pretty good. If you run enterprise software, it's probably going to be a pain in the butt. But I think, from a user perspective, I think all this is is pretty good stuff for the most part. Uh, so the the boot overview stuff. I'm just going to make this part quick. I just thought it was interesting. You know, right now, if you have an issue with your Mac, you have to like boot up with like Command R or Command Option R, and you always have to look it up because it's confusing. Is the PRAM? Well, PRAM I think is still going to be separate, but to boot into recovery mode or internet recovery mode, all those things, now you can just long press on the power button or the touch id button if you have a notebook and it will give you a new fancy menu and tell you give you the options you have available to you you know system recovery startup disk options whatever you're looking for so they're making that a little bit easier because all those boot modifiers have gotten too complicated for most people to remember including me there is something that's that's interesting here so secure boot has been around for a while mm-hmm. That's what tells a a machine what it can boot from. Apple says that in Apple Silicon Macs, it is made to support multiple macOS installs and versions as long as they're signed or previously signed by Apple. I don't know what that means. Like, does that mean an ARM Mac I buy in five years? Could that run Big Sur? Because right now it couldn't. Uh, so it's like, it's a little, it was unusual wording about what versions of macOS could run, even though they're no longer signed. My guess is what it means is if I have a 2024 Mac, I can't run Big Sur, right? But if in 2024, I have a Mac I bought in 2021, I could still install Big Sur on that, even if Apple stops signing it, which is really different from iOS, right? We see these articles every time there's an iOS software update like 13.5.1 is out 13.5 has you know stopped being signed by Apple so you can't install it anymore it seems like they're going to give Mac users a little more flexibility here which I think is good It's what Mac users want and if you want to restore an older version of the OS that should be fine so that that is a little bit of a change you can uh, now in startup startup boot security stuff, tell it to boot from external disks, which you can now, but you'd have to turn off some other settings to make it overall less secure. So they've kind of made middle ground there, uh, which is really useful in a troubleshooting standpoint, be able to boot from an external drive. Uh, one change here is that they are getting rid of target disk mode, which a lot of us have used. You power up your Mac. It used to be firewired. Now it's Thunderbolt. You run a cable between two machines and you migrate. That is gone Is being replaced with what's called Mac sharing mode, where you hook two Macs up over the network, and it's based on SMB file sharing, and you'll have to authenticate to the old Mac as opposed to target disk mode, which basically just made your Mac a big external hard drive. So that's uh, an interesting change. I think functionally it'll stay the same where I could use Migration Assistant from an old computer, but target disk mode has been around... I mean, for 20 years, 25 years and being replaced with this Mac sharing mode over SMB. So that'll be a change that people will run into probably the second or third ARM Mac they buy. You know, you're not going to be migrating from an ARM Mac probably in the first year or so, because you're just going to buy one and use it for a long time. But that'll be something to keep an eye out for later down the road.
1: How is it going to work to move to an ARM Mac?
0: So right now, Migration Assistant will work over the network, Uh, and I would assume that you could have an Intel Mac in target disc mode and connect it to an R Mac over Thunderbolt or whatever the connector is. Yeah. It's just that the R Mac itself can't go into target disc mode. So I think going to an R Mac will be just like going to another Intel Mac, but going from an R Mac to something else may, it may be this different process in the future. Okay. I like the name though. Mac sharing mode. It's a nice name.
1: It's better than migration assistant. Yeah. Or target is mode, like no one knows what that means. That's <laughs> even, I mean, but like that's like a, yeah, it's like a whole other thing.
0: Uh, one last thing in talking about the startup and recovery uh, changes, a couple things. Right now, in the full or reduced security things, which tells the Mac, hey, can I boot from an external disk, et cetera? On Intel Macs, that is set to the system wide setting. So, if I say this Mac cannot boot from an external drive. It can't. There's no way around it. Okay. If you're on an an ARM Mac, you can set these settings per version of Mac OS. So if you are running Mac OS Big Sur and whatever comes after it, you could say, my new OS cannot boot from an external drive. It has these security parameters. The other OS can have different security parameters. Right. In my mind, I can't think of... A great example of why someone would want that, but it's an option now. Clearly, Apple has some use case in mind here. So it's uh that's a change. To go into that reduced security mode, it it does let you run those older versions of macOS. Um and you must be using notarized third-party kernel extensions and reduced security. So if you have non-notarized kernel extensions. Which I'm not even sure is possible under Big Sur. I think they all have to be signed. But, anyways, if you don't, if you have one that's not notarized for whatever reason, you cannot go into reduced security mode. You have to stay in full security mode. Again, keeping the kernel as safe, as distant from third party code as you can. Let's say If you were going to reduce security, uh, this is going to be a trade off you have to make. You have to make sure all your kernel extensions are notarized. Again, I think they all have to be notarized in Big Sur. So, I'm not sure. If this is a uh, that big of a of a headache, but it is a, a thing to be aware of. And the chat room is is wondering if System Integrity Protection can be disabled on our Macs. I have not seen anything saying that specifically, so I would assume that it works the same way as the Intel Mac does. Well, you can turn off SIP if you want to, but you shouldn't. At your own peril. Yeah, I don't do it. I want SIP on. So,
1: well, I turn it off on every Mac. Come on. Just like who needs the integrity of the system? Not me. Yeah. The flat earth of security settings. Uh huh. Just get that thing taken care of. If there's one thing I can keep secure, it's my Macintosh. <laughs> <laughs> you might need
0: it. So, uh, so there's there's that. Uh, uh, lastly, Mac OS recovery itself has been around for a long time. If you need to reinstall Mac OS, there's like a secret version of it on a volume on your Mac and you can reinstall it. On Intel Macs, you can always fall back to internet recovery, which maybe you've had to do some people in the audience have had to do if you replace the the disk or you completely wipe it. You can boot up again with some secret combination of keyboard commands and basically install macOS from Apple over the internet. It's slow depending on your internet connection, but it's your fallback if your internal disk has been completely formatted. Now on Apple Silicon Macs, they're adding another option called system recovery. So if your macOS install is broken, you have macOS recovery to reinstall it. If you've done something where the macOS recovery is also broken, now you have system recovery. This lives, lives in a separate hidden container, so it's not really listed anywhere. I think you can see it in terminal if you if you start probing around your volumes, but it's not like mounted anywhere for the user to see it. And it is a minimal version of macOS that can reinstall macOS recovery and macOS. Like you have this like third level backup of, if you've really done something terrible to your install, there's like
1: another way you can get back up and running. If you did something bad, there's this. If you did something bad to that, there's this. Uh If you did something so bad (laughs) that nothing else exists for you, we also have this one. (laughs) Yeah. It's macOS all the way down.
0: Apple Configurator 2 will also continue to be supported. Uh, You need that right now if you install a new... uh, Like, say you updated the SSDs in your Mac Pro. I linked to the Knowledge Base article about this. You have to use Apple Configurator 2 to, like, repair the SSDs to the T2. And uh, anyways, Apple Configurator 2 will still be around on our Macs. Again, this is also a tool using the enterprise to recover machines under certain circumstances. So that's still there as well. There's giving people more flexibility and more tools to manage this which i think is cool because a lot of us thought well dang our Macs are going to be more locked down in these ways and in some ways that's true but in other ways apple's making them more livable for people who need to recover or to troubleshoot things which i think is great
1: this transition is going to create a lot of work for people in support roles for uh Macs. yeah so it's like a lot to learn because mm-hmm. it's like, you must retain all of the current knowledge for many years to come. And then there's also these really different ways that things work, which in a lot of instances will be counter to your ingrained knowledge of how this stuff works. Yeah. I, that's kind of, I mean, it makes sense, but I think it's still something worth stating, that there's a there's a lot happening.
0: Well, and, and Big Sur itself even works differently on Intel and ARM because you can run iPhone and iPad apps on the ARM one. So it is just all over the place. I agree with you. You know, I've got plenty of friends who support a bunch of Macs for a living. And it's like, y'all are going to have a a fun time when these start showing up on your shores. This episode of Connected is made possible by Mint Mobile. If you're still using one of those big wireless providers, have you asked yourself, what are you actually paying for? Between expensive retail stores, inflated pricing, hidden fees you're being taken advantage of because they know you'll pay. Enter Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile provides the same premium network coverage that you're used to, but at a fraction of the cost because everything is online. Mint Mobile saves on retail locations and overhead, passing those savings directly to you. It makes it easy to cut your wireless bill down to just 15 bucks a month. Every plan comes with unlimited nationwide talk and text. And with Mint Mobile, you'll stop paying for the unlimited data you never use. You can choose between plans of three, eight, or 12 gigabytes of 4G LT data a month. I popped a Mint Mobile SIM in my Android phone, a phone that I don't use very often. I don't need a lot of data on it, and so it's a perfect fit. You can use your own phone number with any Mint Mobile plan and keep that same phone number along with all your existing contacts. So it's time to ditch your old wireless bill and start saving today with Mint Mobile. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, and get the plan shipped to your front door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash connected. That's mintmobile.com slash connected to cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month. Our thanks to Mint Mobile for their support of the show and Relay FM. So, Mike, you said that you've been running Big Sur on a laptop. I'm very curious to hear uh, what you think about it.
1: Yeah, or Big Sur, as uh, our friend Quinn Nelson says. Uh, did you notice that in, in yeah. Quinn's video? It's really weird. So I was looking in the comments. So friend of the show, uh, your co-host on on Flashback, uh Quinn Nelson of Snazzy Labs made a great video um kind of showing off uh a lot of the UI changes and stuff in um Big Sur. Which I I liked it. It was a it was a very cool video, actually. Really nicely done. But Quinn was calling the operating system Big. Sur, like that, right? Something, like, I'm trying to... Maybe you can actually... Can you clip it and just put it in here so people can hear what Quinn was saying? I've been using the macOS
0: Big Sur Beta... Uh, excuse me, partner. Big Sur Beta on my Mac Pro
1: since Monday. <laughs> Looked in the comments, and Quinn was saying that he is pronouncing it as it would be in Spanish, and Sur is Spanish. hmm So... That's why. He spoke
0: Spanish. He lived in South America for a while. Yeah. So maybe it's still like... like,
1: I know he is a native Spanish speaker. Yeah. um, Or at least a fluent Spanish speaker. So that would be why but it's you know it's like it's one of those things i was laughing it's like quinn you may be like technically correct but you are going to be the only person uh speaking english who calls it this Mm -hmm. right like no one else is gonna do it but i i implore quinn to fight the good fight on this one and just just soldier on you know just you can be the big sura guy or you know however you want to say it well we had that with mojave right mojave mojave Mojave, Mojave. Uh, I mean, you know, I know John Syracuse is on a, on, a, on a rampage, a tirade right now about where the emphasis should go in that. Um, who knows if anyone's saying it correctly. This is the fun thing of, of uh, macOS product namings. They, they're very hard to get consistent now. It wasn't so much of a problem when it was cats. I don't know. Steve Jobs said Jaguar in a really weird way.
0: This is Jaguar, the next release of macOS 10. We're officially announcing it today, version 10.2. What's it going to look like? <clears throat> it's the most beautiful CD we've ever made. Pixar rendered the fur, by the way. <laughs> Mac OS ten Jaguar has over 150 major new features in it.
1: Well, there's that, and there's also Puma, or Puma, or... I don't know. Pumar. Tiger. <laughs> Tiger. <laughs> oh, ho, oh, oh. ho! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so... Not a lion. <laughs> I, a while ago, uh, got, had loaned to me by Apple a 16-inch MacBook Pro with uh, Touch Bar. Mm-hmm. Well, the new 16-inch MacBook Pro, right? So the, the brand new one. And oh, it's the only one because it's... Anyway, so I've had that for a while. Um, I actually... They let me keep it for a little bit longer. And I've put Big Sur on that machine because I don't use that computer, right? Like it's it was a review machine. I've never used it for anything. It was actually in my studio, locked away in my studio for three months without <laughs> me being able to get to it. <laughs> but uh, I went to the studio last week and picked up the laptop and I've put Big Sur on it and I've used it for... A, few hours, right? Like over a couple of days, um, which is enough to get some kind of first impressions, but I'm not planning on doing anything significant in it. You know, like I I played around with it. I actually wrote my notes for this show it whilst using it, you know, and just kind of seeing what it would be like to poke around and then also just to do some typical kind of like non-recording work on that machine. And I have like a list of uh, things that I wanted to mention that of the areas you've heard of, but as is typical with me in these sorts of situations, I have differing views to your typical technology podcaster. Uh, so point number one on that is I really like the new icons. I think the app icons look fantastic. Um, there are some weirdnesses uh, at small sizes. So I am a left dock person and have quite a few apps in the dock. And so, uh, they get quite small and like system preferences looks really weird when it's small because they've added quite a lot of shadowing and darkness into the gears. So it looks very dark, the icon. Um, but the funny thing about that is all of the worst iconography in Big Sur lives inside of system preferences, <laughs> like the screen time. Icon is very bad, obviously that battery icon that everyone knows about um the did you put in here that there's something that isn't retina in there?
0: Yeah, yeah the icon for the notification preference pane isn't retina okay
1: that's good. It's great. We're going to get a new one of those. But yeah, it is funny to me how like most of the offenders are in there. But I feel like that's maybe always been the case. There's always been some like strange icons inside of uh, yeah. system preferences. Mm-hmm. Because it's one of the only places in macOS that actually has visual iconography made by Apple. So you have a higher hit rate. Like, like I can't think of anywhere else in the system where Apple has drawn a bunch of icons and put them there other than the app icons right yeah it's it's their their chance to go in there and go wild sometimes they go a little too wild um you know obviously the with the icons especially and the fact that everyone's talking about icons and icons are such a big thing this is naturally reminiscent of ios 7 because that was when all of the ios things changed right like all of the iOS icons changed with iOS 7 Mm -hmm. and they initially went way too far and then over the beta period kind of tightened that up a little bit. I don't think we're at that level. I think the tweaks that need to be made or tweaks that will be made will be much smaller, especially with iconography. But I think I was thinking about this um, and we were talking about this in Connected Pro as well before we began today's episode. You can uh, get Connected Pro at Connected... Is it it ConnectedPro.co? That's the URL, right? connectedpro.co get connected pro. get connectedpro no it's connectedpro.co you don't even know it's in the, the I, I literally just loaded it get connectedpro.co oh yeah because i requested you get both of them for the exact reason of what's happening right now which was i would say get connectedpro.co that so i said to you hey get that second url but the canonical url for connectedpro is connectedpro.co Anyhow, uh, so that's not as confusing <laughs> at all for people who wanted to sign up. <laughs> well, look, like but no. The great thing is go to any of them and it will be fine. There's a link in the show notes. So we were talking about like iOS seven and Big Sur and th- like I think there's a lot of assumptions of people putting them in the same bucket, in the same thinking in their mind that it will change a lot from beta one to release. But I'm not convinced that that's going to be the case, that it may actually be pretty, pretty locked down visually uh, right now. Right. So that there is where we where we are right now with Big Sur and where we end up being with Big Sur, it's probably going to be going to be pretty locked in. I mean, I, I feel like it isn't as overall weird as it was for iOS 7 but it really maybe is just like some iconography stuff that needs to be changed. You know, like people see things like the spacing in the menu bar and they're like, oh, they'll tighten that one up. When no, they're not. A, a different school of thought would say, no, there are very specific reasons yeah. why that's the way Your index finger it is. being yes. the reason. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think I think the icons are more or less here to stay. I think the bigger change for me other than the, the design is that they want to conform them all into the round rect shape. And that just makes me a little sad, because I think Mac icons are really cool when they were cut out shapes and all varied and mixed up, and they're trying to downplay that. They've definitely done that with all their apps and utilities. Like, just look at the utility folder on your current Mac. Almost all of those icons are different in Big Sur to conform to the new shape and size, which is a, a bummer to me. Why? Uh, because there's a rich history of Mac icons being fun, different shapes. Like right now, you know, I've got Devon Think. It looks like a shell. I've got circles. I've got reader, which is a cube. I've got audio hijack, which is a little bottle. It means I can spot them very easily. Didn't
1: they say that they can jump outside of the round rack? They just want it to have a round rack. Yeah. Yeah. But it still makes me sad. But for me, like the, the thing about Mac icons isn't their shape, it's their overall kind of like detail and you know, like the, the the look of them. I don't think that, for again, for me, the shape isn't so much of a thing. Like I'm looking in my dock right now and honestly, like, again, here we go. <laughs> I think that it's messy just to, to have them all be different shapes. Like I, actually, I think I actually prefer the consistency because the other thing, like with them being the different shapes that they are, it looks like they're all different sizes, in the dark for me and I don't I don't like it. I like that there is a kind of a standard idea and then you can go wild within that. That's what I think will be cool. It's what I like about what they currently have with the iconography. I think that there is, it feels much more consistent even just amongst the stuff that Apple's shipping because there is like a guideline around it. Hmm. I'm going to assume you just don't agree with me there. No, nah, we just disagree. Which is fine. When it comes to our show artwork... At Relay FM, the person that I know personally who enjoys the most visual consistency is yourself. It's true. I'm a complicated man. You <laughs> put me in a box. <laughs> I never, I never, never claim to be consistent. <laughs> That's the one thing you can always rely on with me—is my mm. inconsistency. Yeah, there's no truth except there's no truth, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, light mode is too light.
0: Yes, it's blinding. It's like looking out across. Antarctica, completely frozen.
1: Um, I have dark mode on all of my Macs now, um, and I prefer that anyway, but I wanted to see what light mode looked like, and it was too light for me. Uh, so I went straight back to dark mode again. Um, that's that's too much. Uh, the transparency is too aggressive. I've never liked the transparency on the Mac. I don't particularly want to see the colors of my desktop wallpaper all the time. So you know that's never been one that's never been something that I've been super cool about. I actually have always and I have on my my iMac right now and have on all my macs i I actually reduce transparency and accessibility mm-hmm. but i I turned that setting off so I could get a sense for what the system actually wanted to look like and I don't know if this is the case, but it felt even more aggressive than I've seen it in the past
0: yeah, I agree uh, first of all. I'm not a dark mode person on the Mac, and I don't, I just don't like it on the Mac, but everything is too bright. I have a really hard time telling what's active and inactive as far as Windows. You basically have to look for the stoplight controls to see if they're lit up or not. And I think they need to do a better job at distinguishing those things. As far as the transparency, I agree with you. I generally don't like a lot of transparency in macOS. I don't like the increased contrast setting because I don't like the thin border. That goes on everything, which I guess is mm-hmm. what you, how you use your Mac, right?
1: Um, th- okay, I thought that was the contrast that added the border.
0: Oh, yes, sorry. Increase contrast adds the border, and then reduce transparency just turned off the transparency, which makes everything
1: just solid white. I used increased contrast until I got onto Mojave. In Mojave, it became too aggressive, so I turned that off. In previous versions of macOS, I had used the increased contrast, but it became it became a little bit too much. Um, they they added this thin white line, like in dark mode. I actually think the reason that I changed it is because I moved to dark mode. Okay, in light mode, it was uh, I, I actually found it nicer because it added a thin dark line to everything and i like that but in dark mode it adds a thin white line and that looks weird to me i don't know why maybe i kind of liked the fact that my mac looked like it was in a comic book or something <laughs> i don't know uh, but i turned that off but reduce transparency I, I will turn on reduce transparency again like when i actually upgrade whatever machine i upgrade to big Sur. whenever i do that um but i i wanted to keep it that setting off for now. So I had the experience, but I've, you know, for me, I just, I don't like it. I I don't, I don't really get it for a windowed system. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't know what it adds. Um, like I know Apple will tell me that they want it to be like adding layers, but I think that that works without the transparency, uh, it it muddies things up for me visually in a way that i don't like i like the new alert style <laughs> i like the center like mm. i think it looks modern like honestly the previous style has been around for so long and i just ignored all the alerts <laughs> but at least i because these ones look different i pay more attention to them i have no problem with it i think it looks fine
0: oh, um, but what's funny is safari has had these new style on the mac for a, a year now maybe longer and so, if you haven't seen it, it is a white, semi transparent, round, wrecked box centered in the application window. And what's supposed to happen is the application window dims. And so the alert stands out more. Right. That is very broken in the beta. Some of Apple's apps do it, some of them don't. But that'll be the overall style. Again, matching what iOS and iPadOS use for their alert styles and what they've used basically since I was 7 right That that centered white box yeah i've come around to it i do think this is the other system was old i think this is one of those concessions to hey there's a lot of ipad and iphone apps coming over and it's really going to be weird if alerts look one way in one type of app and another way elsewhere and so they just made them all the new style
1: might as well
0: yeah i don't i don't love it but it is uh i understand why they did it and i can i can get behind it with some with some time,
1: I really like the rounded corners on Windows. Okay, just feels nice. Again, like it just the difference sometimes just adds to the idea of the modern feeling that it being different. It look, I mean, it's very 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 clear that future Macs are going to have rounded corners because when you put. A window in the corner on the bottom you get these like little little pixels peeking through and it's like there's no way that that's what they're gonna keep right that like it's because i know that there's like a slight rounding to to mac corners now but n- with the new with big Sur because the corner is much more aggressive when you drag it into the bottom right you see like a bunch of pixels like just just peeking through and that mm-hmm. looks really weird to me it does um I would love the rounded corners idea anyway, because again, it will look different. Like just make stuff weird and different. Like that's, that's kind of the world that we're going to be into. One of the things I do like about Big Sur, which comes in a bunch of ways, is visual consistencies. So the widgets being the same, like visual and they are actually the same. They're all UI, right? I like that. I like that they look the same. And I like the idea of apps that I use even if they're Mac apps and iOS apps having the same visual style with the widgets. I like the visual consistencies of iPad OS in Apple's apps, like the toolbars, the sidebars. I like that that looks the same. Um, I like it because it makes my iPad feel closer to a Mac, which is cool in, in its own way, but also, so these applications, I feel more at home in them, no matter what device I'm using. and I don't have to like rethink every time. I like that. Um, the same way of like messages having the full experience. This has taken way too long. Um, like using it now and getting all of the same features and it actually looking the same as other platforms is almost like it feels surprising now because I've been so used to, as everybody else has, with messages lagging like multiple years behind on the Mac. So I'm very happy that they have given messages to Catalyst Treatment so this won't happen anymore. Um I like the new look of Safari. Mm -hmm. I really love that tab preview. It's really cool. You want to explain that to people? So basically now when you hover over a tab, I mean, they've changed a bunch of stuff anyway to to kind of make the tabs bigger. So you can tap on them with your finger probably um, and like visually more appealing and they all by default have like colorful fav icons. But now when you hover over a tab, you actually, it like pops down and shows you a preview of the window itself, which is just a nice way to visually work out what you want to be looking at without click, 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 click. Oh, that's the tab that I want. If you are a person who has lots and lots and lots of tabs, especially when the text disappears because you have so many tabs. Um, So, yeah, overall, I would say I am very excited about the visual design of Big Sur, it, is, as I expected when I first saw the videos, more akin to my own personal styles, which have been informed by a heavy usage of iOS and iPadOS over the last decade. I have, it's very clear, right? Like I have moved away from the Mac as my personal favorite primary platform, so have become indoctrinated in many ways into the ways that iOS-based devices work. So having some more visual consistency coming into the Mac along with iOS and iPad OS applications finding their way into the Mac as well, I think is a good thing. Now, what I also really appreciate is that they are not they are not doing anything to undermine the Mac's power in when they're doing this, right? Like the Mac is still as powerful. They're not taking big features away. They're not changing how the Mac works, but they are quote unquote modernizing the visual design. Now you can either like or not like it, but you cannot deny that it is more modern because a lot of the things they've changed have been the same way on the Mac for a very long time, right? And they are now making some of these changes to fit the design they have on their newer platforms, which now are also getting old, but like the, <laughs> there's only so much they can change at once. I think this is a good thing, and I, my hope would be that along with stuff like Catalyst and Swift UI, they will actually keep the visual design of the operating systems closer together and in lockstep from now.
0: I I expect to see that, yeah.
1: Because if they make big changes to iPadOS, and then the apps change visual style, but the Mac operating system doesn't change to match it, that's going to look even weirder than it ever did, right? Because then the applications will start to look new in what will look like some kind of rickety old house or something. Yeah. So my hope would be that from now all of this stuff starts to move forward together, where I think it, it's pretty clear that even with the changes that Apple have made to the Mac over the last few years visually, it hasn't gotten that much more modern feeling. Mm-hmm. Like, it still feels undeniably like Mac OS X or OS 10, but just a modernized version of OS 10. where I would argue that Big Sur in a lot of ways, doesn't feel like OS 10 anymore. But I think that's for the best. I mean, if they didn't... I apologize. If they
0: didn't keep moving that forward, then the point of this would be wasted. The whole idea is these apps should mm-hmm. work across as many platforms as they're available. To make that feel consistent to a user, they all have to look the same and work the same, which is why I think Touch is coming, which we've spoken about. But it is... Yeah, it's a it's a big deal, and I think it is... I think this is just the beginning of all of Apple's platforms, at least iPhone, iPad, and the Mac, becoming much more lockstep than they have ever been in the past.
1: As a as a side note, I got to try out Sidecar for the first time, but never used it because I I don't have a Mac that runs it. Well, that I've used. Like I think my Mac Mini does but I've never tried it. But anyway, I tried out Sidecar.
0: Why doesn't your, your iMac Pro, oh, because you're on High Sierra.
1: Yeah, no, I'm on Mojave. Oh, okay. Right, because Sidecar is a Catalina feature. That's right. It's fantastic. It is incredibly smooth. I was so surprised how well it worked, how good it looked. I think that they add way too much. I used it on an 11-inch. The, the this kind of sidebar on the left is way too large like where I think it's like where you can hit a bunch of buttons and, and like, um, I, I
0: turned that off because oh, I you can turn it off. Yeah. in system preferences on the Mac you can, or you can change sides that it's onto.
1: Yeah. Cause that's the thing. Like I couldn't work out where the settings would be. Right. Cause it's like, I obviously they're on the Mac, but like I was thinking like what I want to change is what's on the iPad. And there wasn't obvious settings. So I didn't think to look on the Mac, you know, it's kind of a weird thing. Super weird. Uh, Magic keyboard or magic trackpad keyboard folio. What is the pr- magic keyboard for iPad? Mm-hmm. Can use the keyboard, not the trackpad.
0: That just feels like a feature got out of sync, and I'd imagine that'll get
1: very peculiar to me. Because, like, Or you I,
0: on iOS 14 on that iPad? Yeah. And it's not fixed?
1: <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah. That iPad is on 14, huh. and the Mac was on Big Sur, and it wasn't working. I don't know. Because, like, the thing that is weird to me is I use screens by Adovia. And I can use my trackpad and keyboard with that when using a Mac, right? So that works. So it was just surprising to me that the Apple solution—I know they're different products, but like that Apple hadn't found a way to make that work—was very weird to me. I would then be over here and I'd be typing, but then I would need to go back over here to—I don't know—because for me, because the the product is in its keyboard case. When I'm looking at that screen, I am inclined to use the keyboard attached to it, right? Like, that's just how I think, right? Because I've already turned around to look at that machine. Oh, mm-hmm. I'll just use the keyboard and then try and use the trackpad and that doesn't work. So they need to fix that. Super weird. Um, but Sidecar as a product, it's fantastic. Like that is a super, super cool device. Like use for the device if you have both of them. Really, really awesome. I hadn't tried it before. Really loved it. But yeah, Big Sur gets a big thumbs up from me. I'm I'm into it. Like I can see myself upgrading to it. Like on because I mean there's a lot of stuff going on in there which is which is interesting and useful, but it, I actually want that version of macOS on my devices, which is not a thing that I have felt for a while because there hasn't been anything enough to entice me and then also have to deal with the problems that I may have to deal with. So, you know, I'll give it a little bit of time to shake out, most likely. Make sure everyone I know that uses the same gear that I use can get all their stuff done properly. But I expect that I'll be uh, upgrading to Big Sur pretty soon from release. Bold. Bold statement. It's a cool version of macOS again. Does logic work on it? I don't know. I haven't tried. I mean, who can know?
0: All right, if you want to find links to the stuff we spoke about, head on over to the website, relay.fm slash connected slash 302. While you're there, there's so much fun activities you can do. You can become a member to support the show. You'll get an ad-free episode and pre- and post-show content, which is a lot of fun. You can send us an email with feedback or follow-up, or, of course, you can find us on Twitter. Mike is there as I-M-Y-K-E. Mike is... uh, host of a bunch of shows here on Relay FM, So go check those out. Name one show you're on, Mike. The Pen Addict. Go listen to The Pen Addict if you're into pens and paper, stationery,
1: only though, probably. index cards,
0: <laughs> etc. You can find me on Twitter as ISMH and I write over at 512pixels.net. Federico's not here, but he's online. You can probably just go find him somewhere. And until next time, Mike, say goodbye. Cheerio. Bye, y'all.